This is Matt Hurt at Obsessive Viewer on Twitter. This is Tiny at Obsessive Tiny on Twitter. I am Mike White at I am Mike White on Twitter. And this is ObsessiveViewer.com's The Obsessive Viewer Podcast. How's it going, guys? We are recording in our in our studio again for the first time. Well, me and oh, you guys are back. Yeah, studio awesome. in quotes. Yeah, studio in quotes, which is a sunroom at, in my brother's house, and yeah. uh, it's raining. It smells like dogs. It does smell like dogs. It does smell like dogs. Yeah. And I'm not in there right now. I'm not with you guys, <laughs> listeners. I just was there the one time, and it smelled like dogs. They're yeah. not lying. You know, dogs, are, but like pleasant know. dogs. Yeah, yeah. They, I, I, they seem like good dogs. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, so how's your guys' week's week been and, and whatnot? Mine was awesome. Oh, busy. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. How are, how's your guys' April's shaping up movie wise? Uh, pretty good. I haven't really inputted, um, inputted, uh, my, <laughs> uh, that's a weird, weird word. It's not a word, um, I don't think. It isn't. Okay. I haven't. Play. I haven't put in my information yet for most of the month, so I don't really know my numbers. But Boo. I know, jeez. Yeah. But I'm I'm doing pretty good. I just watched uh, Twelve Angry Men last night for the first time in a while. And oh, nice, good man, movie. That movie's so good. Yes, it is. Yeah, cool. I'm. Um, at, uh, I got 22 movies for the month for me. Not too nice. bad. Nice, yeah. nice. I've got so far, I don't know, something like 10, uh, which includes a watch of Good Burger, which. Matt, nice. you talked about in your Guilty Pleasures episode. Oh, I love uh, it so much. And I gotta say, it was way better than I thought it was gonna be. Right? Than I, re- than I remembered it being, I guess I should say. <laughs> wow. It's so It good. was very fun. It was a very yeah. fun watch. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I have, I, on my, on my tablet, um, I have, like, a, uh, on my note taking app, Evernote, by the way, um, really good app. But anyway, I have notes for, like, perspective, blog posts and stuff and uh ones that i plan to write and one is uh what good good burger says about the fast food industry <laughs> of the of in what good burger says about the fast food industry in 1990s america <laughs> so look Sounds out for awesome. that one wow i read it uh, i can't wait to read it which which <laughs> forum are you going to post that one in <laughs> it'll be the- uh It'll be it'll be in obsessive. It's kind of kind of like economics, yeah. As opposed, as opposed to to film or art. Um, I guess so. It'll be it'll be you know, we'll see, we'll see. Yeah, it'll be on the. There's, there's time to think about it. Yeah, it'll be under. It'll be to usher in the obsessive economic uh, economist. Uh, I can't com. wait to not read that. It's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the most boring website ever. <laughs> In other April movie news, I think I think I might have a new top ten movie. Oh wow! Ooh. Yeah, for the I year? watched About for... Time on oh, Blu-ray. Nice. Uh, it's the second time I've seen the movie, and it just it just hits you in all the right places. Nice! Wow! Yeah, that's awesome. Um, so I'll probably have to see it another time before I make before I confirm the top ten placing. But uh, wow, you're talking about like top ten just overall. Overall, oh I man, I mean it's that good. It, it, it hits me on that kind of level. 
Nice. Oh, I know what I'm bringing up for Potpourri now. I'm going to need to see it then. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Huh. Please do. It's really good. Cool. Um, yeah. yeah, like I said to you in the pod chat, I need to see it again because it seems like the kind of, it, it seems like a movie that'll grow on you. Sure. Um, yep. Yeah. Okay. So anyway. But, oh, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, but what are we talking about today? We are talking about summer blockbusters. Uh, since the summer is, well, technically already here pretty much in terms of the movie season because we had the, uh, um, Captain America. Um, and we have, by the time this post, Amazing Spider-Man will have come out last week. Um, so we're in the midst of the summer movie season. Uh, summer blockbusters are here. Um, they keep pushing. And it feels so good. They do, and it does feel good, and they do keep pushing it. Yeah. Um, I think Mike brought that up like once. Yeah. On on a past episode, how they keep pushing it further every year. Right now, so it's yeah. in early April. April now. Yeah. 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 Not that I have a problem with that. No, no, not at all. Because I mean, we've t- we've also talked about this, and January to March is kind of a barren wasteland of trash, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> with few with a few like notable mentions, but right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, God's not dead. <laughs> I was thinking nonstop, but you know, God's not dead. Just kidding. Um, but it is, um, it is, it is different from the award season movies in a very distinct way. <laughs> and, and I love them for very different reasons, but I think I love them the same. I definitely appreciate the movies from, uh, award season more, right. but I absolutely get more excited for the summer blockbuster season. Yeah, me too. And it has been my whole life. Nice. So, so that said, I've been very, very excited about this episode. <laughs> right. I remember, uh, I just kind of threw it in, in the podcast, like, Hey, why don't we do a summer movie, summer blockbusters episode? And I was thinking like, you guys would just be like, Oh, okay. And then you're like, yes, awesome. Let's do this. Yeah. Yeah. I, like, I think yeah. I, I put in several S's. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And exclamation points. Yeah. Um, so how about we start with like defining the criteria that, uh, goes into what defines a, a summer blockbuster movie. Do you, Tiny, do you want to take it? I would love to. Sweet. Uh, I just kind of threw this through this little thought process together. Um, just three quick points. I think uh, it's it's very easy to just point to a summer blockbuster as well. It came out in the summer and it was big, right? <laughs> right. But you know, sometimes big movies come out in the summer that suck. Right. <laughs> you don't really want to throw them in this category. <laughs> so I think one of the uh, first, the first one I have is actually hype. You know, the the, mm-hmm. the pre, the the pregame, if you will, of uh, or the preseason. There we go. Sure. Pre-season. Yeah, <laughs> I don't like that. Nice. Um, you know, the you know what's you know what's coming up. We've mm-hmm. we've known about uh, Spider-Man and, and and Captain America for yeah. years, essentially. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so we've been building it up, and we get trailers, and then we get a second trailer, and then we get a third trailer <laughs> and it just keeps building up and you're so excited for it and that the hype machine has become you know a huge part of this whole process so i think that's part of it not again not not a requisite doesn't have to be hyped but uh i think i think it should be mentioned so and then of course the obvious one criteria is popularity or you could also equate that to income Meaning, how much does it make? How many people go see it? What are the ticket sales? All that stuff. Right. Um, and of course, that's you know, that's something that's can be difficult to calculate anymore because, um, or it's difficult to compare things from different time time slots. 
I'm not putting this together very well. <laughs> um, for example, you know, Star Wars, if you adjust for inflation, made like $2 billion. Uh, whereas its actual, you know, uh, box office is like $470 million or something like that. So it's, it's hard to, you know, compare that stuff nowadays. But either way, popularity is a, a big part of it. And then I think uh, an important aspect of summer blockbusters is the social impact. Meaning, you know, you go to school the next day or you go to work the next day or the weekend after the movie came out and everybody's talking about it. They're like, oh, I love this part. It was so cool. And I hated this part. I don't know why they cast this guy in this role. You keep talking about it. It's it, that That's what's so great about summer blockbusters is that the conversation continues after you see the movie. Um, and it can last all summer. To the you know if you're a kid and you go back to school in August, but there was a movie that came out in June, you could still be talking about it in August. So oh yeah, um, I remember coming back after summer in fifth grade, and everybody saw Twister but me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was that was me too because I, I couldn't see rated R movies for a long time. Oh, I love my yeah. mom took me took me to that like opening weekend. Yeah, <laughs> I remember one t- just just because of social impact. I remember wanting th- to see the movie Cruel Intentions so bad <laughs> in like fifth or sixth grade because the girl that I had a crush on kept talking about it. Nice. I, got, I got to see the movie. I don't know what the hell she's talking yeah. about. Well, of course <laughs> you do. Yeah. Right. My parents wouldn't let me see it because I was like eleven. Block. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Mom. <laughs> foiled again. So yes. those are my three criteria: hype, popularity, and social impact. Nice. Take, I like it. Yeah. Take it as I you think will. Those are good, and yeah. I agree fully. Oh yeah. Uh, like like I said in the pod chat, I had three criteria for it myself, and there was money, summer, and money. Um, <laughs> and those were my criteria for summer blockbusters. But yeah, those are those. Absolutely, I agree completely with all those. Cool, agreed. Uh, yeah, I scratched my foot. Um, <laughs> sorry. Uh, so yeah, who wants to go for? Well, do you, who wants to go first? Do you mind if I go first? For go for it, buddy. Okay, this one will be brief because um, I wasn't alive when it came out. <laughs> um, oh, I just hit my mic. Uh, Jaws. Uh, kind of seems like the obvious kind of summer blockbuster movie to bring out. Donut. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Done it. Couldn't help myself. <laughs> nice. Uh, yeah, I I was a late bloomer to Jaws. I didn't see it for it was nigh on four Shocktober's ago. <laughs> um, I don't know if I used that right, but anyway, um, about four Shocktober's ago, I watched it on like TV, and it was like the middle of the night, and I was watching, it and I was like, it, like I jumped at all the right spots, and then I eventually bought it on Blu-ray, and I've watched it a few times since then, and man, this movie is amazing. Um, Obviously Spielberg, early Spielberg, um, everyone knows it. Um, but it ushered in the, the era of summer blockbusters. It actually changed the way movies are like distributed and everything because, uh, until Jaws, unless I'm mistaken, until Jaws, they had limited releases across the board for every movie. Um, and this was the first movie that had like a wide sprawling, like cross country release at one time. And it was such a hit that it became, it changed the industry and it became summer blockbusters were here to stay. And it eventually, uh, a couple years later, um, was <laughs> magnified intensely with star Wars. Um, so that, and just the pacing is just so incredible. Um, if you watch it, like there's, there's such a distinct 
difference between like the first attack, the first shark attack, and the second shark attack. The first one is really sudden, just one person in the water disappearing. It really sets the mood great. But then Spielberg flips it on its ear later when they when he shows like a beach filled with people and kids, and it's just he plays up the tension just perfectly. Um, because you have no idea who's going to be attacked, who's going to die, mm-hmm. and all that. And then where the first one is an absence, complete absence of gore and blood, it's all atmosphere and tone. This one is just a torrent of blood just throughout the ocean. And it's, and I mean, it's, spoiler alert, it's, it's a kid that gets killed. Um, but it's, it's just such a great, great movie, um, to, to study in terms of, um, tension, escalating tension, and also, um, as a monster movie, it's really good because it's not until like almost exactly halfway through the movie that we even see the shark. Mm-hmm. Um, and that tension is built so perfectly um, throughout it that you don't even, you probably could have gone the entire movie without seeing it and still been terrified and all that. So, yeah. so that's my pick. It's a great movie. I love it. It's, uh, it ushered in the summer blockbuster trend. Um, so you didn't see Jaws till you were 23. I did not see Jaws until I was like 23. It might have been a little Oh, I'll one-up you. I don't think I, I saw it till I was 24, 25. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I saw it a couple years ago. Huh. Respect. If you talk yeah. about, <clears throat> excuse me, if you talk about the social impact of that movie too, like there are people to this day who are in like their 30s, 40s, maybe 50s, and they, they won't go swim in the ocean. Yeah. And they, mm-hmm. a lot of the times you'll ask them why and they say it's because of that movie. Right. Mm-hmm. That's the it's, impact uh, that movie had. It's like a, Spielberg had his own Hitchcock uh, shower scene thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was an ocean. Absolutely. Right, right. Ah. It was more terrifying. Yeah. Um, <laughs> these filmmakers are... It's funny that you mentioned the building of the tension and not seeing the shark until the end. Mm-hmm. Of course, most people know the, the story is that they couldn't get the shark to work and that right. they fully intended to show him more. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but they kind of <laughs> did it, you know, with, with the song and all that for right. the better. I mean, the movie is oh, better absolutely. for it. Happy, oh, yeah. happy mistake. Yeah. Yeah, yeah no. absolutely. Um, it's also, we we would be remiss if we didn't mention Jaws on this yeah. episode. We're talking about summer blockbusters. I mean, it was the first summer blockbuster. Right. Um, I'm, I'm looking right now. And it's funny that we're doing this because Entertainment Weekly is also doing their 20 best summer blockbusters of all time list. Oh, nice. They also uh, use the name Obsessive Viewer on one of their, one of their issues. So They did. That's yeah. right. So basically, they're copying off of us. I know, um, right? And <laughs> so far, looking at the list, they've got their top 20 and then, t- you know, 21 through 30 as well that they didn't go into detail. Um, number two was Star Wars, and number one hasn't been named, but Jaws is not in the list. Uh, there is no doubt in my mind yeah. that it's going to be Jaws. Uh, uh, absolutely. And I think we agree. Oh, yeah. Cool. Yep. Um, yeah. And I mean, it's just, it's, it's iconic. It's an iconic film, and it's, it's just a really great. A great movie, um, mm-hmm. in and of itself. I mean, the USS Indianapolis scene is just yeah, so mm-hmm. incredible. And there's like a lot of cool trivia about it. Like, um, I can't remember. It was a uh, uh, um, wow, Richard Dreyfus and the other actor. Um, I don't think it was Roy Scheider. Who's that? Uh, the shark. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they didn't get along on set. No, um, yeah. Ro- Shaw. No, something. who played? Oh yeah, uh, is it Robert Shaw? Something like that. Yeah. Um, Shaw and, uh, um, 
Dreyfus, they didn't get along on set at all. And in the movie, there's there's a point in the movie where they argue and all that, and it feels so real and everything. And like when you watch it, you think like that's a really good performance and everything. And then you read the trivia, and you're like, that really came through a lot that they didn't like each other. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So so that's my pick. Um, if you guys, who wants to go next? I can go next. Cool. That's all right. Okay. My first one. It's the first one that kind of came. Well, it's one of the first ones that came to mind for me. Uh, it was it was kind of when I became aware of what a summer blockbuster was. Let's travel back to the year nineteen ninety seven. The sun was shining, the birds were chirping, God. and the theaters were pumping the air conditioning. Yes. Um, <clears throat> I think it was really hot that summer because uh, me and my brother went to see it. My mom, she worked right next to a movie theater, uh, and so. One day we just uh, we we just went to work with her and we went and saw the movie Men in Black. Oh, nice! Yes, yeah, and that's awesome. At nice. the time, I was I would say creepily into Will Smith. <laughs> like I I read his autobiography. Oh my god! Oh wow! That's how into Will Smith I was. Oh wow! I well, hold on. Okay, what's the name of the biography? Give me three guesses. Oh, <laughs> all right. I can't even. Um, I think I still. Ha- I think. Wait, do you want to guess? Or you want me to guess? I want to guess. <laughs> okay, go, go ahead. All right. Number one, I'm gonna have to go with. Is it? Is it? Uh, getting jiggy with it. <laughs> I no, no, it's not that. <laughs> All right. Um, is it in West Philadelphia, born and raised? <laughs> uh, it is not. Okay. Um, shoot. <laughs> I don't know. I, uh, Parents just don't understand by Will Smith. That, no, that would have been my guess. Damn. Good guesses. Uh, it's actually called Willpower. Of course. Oh, of course it's called Willpower. Of course it is. Oh. Yeah. Oh, well. And I think, I, I want to say maybe 1997 was the year that, like, Getting Jiggy With It came out. That that, that album. I don't yeah. know, but it's... I, I, would, right. I would come home every day from school and listen to that song. Wow. So, uh, so much. I was watching Fresh, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air like you wouldn't believe. Yeah, wow. I was so into Will Smith. It's never really worn off because I, I mean, he's if you don't like Will Smith, just get out of America. Right, he's, he's a very charismatic guy. Yeah, he's yeah. awesome. So I'm still um, waiting for him to play a bad guy. That'd be that's, fun. That'd be cool. that's a conversation for another for another episode. Yeah. But anyway, he'll probably save that for the end of his career. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> or you know the the golden years, if you will. Right. Yeah. But uh, came out in July of 1997. Will Smith is the undisputed king of July Fourth weekend. <laughs> yeah. um, I I want to say like six or seven movies over his career have come out over July Fourth, and they've all been just massively successful. Yeah. Uh, Men in Black worldwide made 587 million dollars in 1987. Jeez. So adjusted for inflation, that's probably a good eight nine hundred million maybe. Wow, mm-hmm. pretty big movie. Uh, and you know, Men in Black. It's I thought it was one of those movies where you know I loved it as a ten-year-old, eleven-year-old. Uh, obviously biased towards Will Smith, but I, I I've watched it as an adult a few times, and it's just a fun little movie. It I really mean, is. it has it is definitely has a lot of stuff for for family for like young kids, but it also has some stuff for adults too. Yeah, that's that's mm-hmm. there's no way to put that that doesn't sound dirty, <laughs> but. Uh, no, it's 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 a really it's a fun movie. Um the the surprising chemistry between uh uh 
Um, wow. Will Smith and Tommy Lee Jones. Tommy Lee Jones. Jeez. <laughs> uh, Tommy Lee Jones and Will Smith. Um, yeah, just really, really good chemistry between those two. Really, really good, uh, really good dialogue. Yeah. It's a fun movie. That first scene where he's chasing the, chasing the suspect throughout like the city and all that and up the right. building and all that. I was like, as, even as like a 10 or 11 year old or whatever, I was like, I was uh, physically exhausted when I watched it. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably also from when he was roughing up a suspect. <laughs> <laughs> oh, nice. Damn it. Oh, I, I need to, I won't, I won't do it again. I need to, I need to put that in my notes for the one year anniversary special so we yeah. can clarify that. But anyway, um, <laughs> my, uh, my favorite part is when they're, he's, he's trying out with all the other recruits for the men in black and like they, yes. they they're at the shooting range and he, the only person he shoots is the little girl with yeah. the, the textbooks. <laughs> yeah. And then he, the best part of it is that he explains why. Yeah. <laughs> it's just hysterical. He's like, she's, she's walking around at night where, carrying a quantum physics book. She can't be more than eight years old. Why is she carrying a quantum physics book? <laughs> Something like that. It's hysterical. <laughs> like his explanations for the other, for the aliens is so, so great. Cause yeah. like one of them's working he's out. Yeah, he's and he's holding a tissue. Yeah. <laughs> he's got a cold. Yeah. <laughs> It's a great uh, movie. And I yeah. loved his like kind of his physical humor in the scene before that where he's where he's trying to get comfortable to take the exam. <laughs> and he's like he breaks the pencil and he's trying to do all this and all that and he's putting it up on the weird on the on the on the chairs and all that and then eventually he just disrupts the entire group by just pulling the table to him. <laughs> it's so great. It's so it's really hilarious. Great physical acting. Yeah, it's it was fantastic. Yeah. So that is my first selection. Very successful. I, uh, a lot of sorry. hype. You know, I actually nice. uh, was went as um, Men in Black one year for Halloween with my best friend <laughs> at the time. Nice, nice. Yeah, he was he was Jay and I was K. That's awesome. Awesome. Yep. Blackface. <laughs> Did you wear blackface? No. <laughs> well, he would have. So, no, I was K, yeah, and he was he a black guy. Oh, um, okay. So we luckily didn't have to do that. So so that's Men in Black. Uh, yep. Mike, what do you got for us? You know, I had a lot of trouble actually narrowing down my list. I had all kinds. I when I texted you guys or uh, texted you guys in the pod chat before, uh, I mentioned that I had a list of twelve. Uh, it was actually up to like twenty. Oh wow! Yeah, and it was like I couldn't decide because we just called this episode. Uh, summer blockbusters. We yeah. didn't call it the best. We didn't call it our favorite. We didn't call it the worst. We, we just said summer blockbusters. So I was like, well, what are, what are they looking for? Like, what are people going to want to hear? Uh, so I also did a list of hates. Uh, I did a list of things I should mention, but I kind of landed on, uh, similar to what Tiny, uh, was going to do. He, he took you back to the summer of 1997. Uh, I'm going to take you back actually a couple of years after that to the summer of 1999, mm-hmm. uh, which was an important, yes. important year for me. Um, picture also probably a hot summer. Uh, and rather than getting jiggy with it playing in the background, it was, uh, living La Vida Loca from Ricky Martin. Nice <laughs> playing. Um, and it was really a pretty, pivotal year in my life i was 12 uh and i was kind of just starting to appreciate movies for the first time as something to do other than video games rather than rather than just video games like i was appreciating them as more than something to do than just watch video games i should say okay um my friends at the time were talking about and two girls uh i just finished sixth grade and my parents told me we were moving to indiana and i was pissed (laughs) Uh, so the movies that summer, 
huge blockbusters kind of were important to me because it was something I could connect to at the time and, and cling on to. I'm going to start with uh, actually Big Daddy, <laughs> which might make you say, what? But it was actually the number seven movie uh, in 1999 in terms of box office. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, I know, which is surprising given Sandler's popularity right. today and the box office draw these days. Uh, but Big Daddy was actually higher than The Mummy, The Blair Witch Project, which was a phenomenon, mm-hmm. The Green Mile, and The World is Not Enough. Wow. wow. Yeah. That's surprising. Huh. And, well, I could go on. Stuart Little, American Beauty. <laughs> uh, it was bigger even than Wild Wild West. Wow, that's I can't okay. believe that. And that was yeah. the height of his popularity, pretty much. It was. I, I was, I'm going to talk about that, actually. Uh, it's the second movie from the Dennis Dugan, Adam Sandler teaming following Happy Gilmore. Uh, the first of several, or the second of several. Not all of them are very good. <laughs> the, uh, the movie's legacy now and the reception at the time is is kind of interesting, and we can talk about it. Uh, it won favorite comedy at the People's Choice Awards, but it also was nominated for like a zillion Razzies, <laughs> and it won worst actor for Adam Sandler. Wow, oh, that's I know great. That. Yeah, but something about it, and I don't know what. Maybe you guys can help me figure it out. Something lasts. It's not great, but it's you know it's not close to as worse. Um, I think I guess what I love about it is it it hit me at a time where I was still into cute, crude humor, but I was also looking for my comedians to take some sort of dramatic turn. And I'm not calling Big Daddy a drama by any means, <laughs> but there there are you get flashes of what Adam Sandler could be and could have been and did do eventually in in movies like Rain Over Me and, and mm-hmm. Spanglish and such. Absolutely, um, and that was kind of the first the first of that kind of thing. Um, it wasn't the most quotable movie of the summer, but it, it stuck with me later and it eventually became a quotable one. Um, it was also the first time I noticed Sandler's gang of buddies for the first time and how he employed a bunch of friends in his <laughs> movies. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, enough about me. The movie, and this is what I was going to talk about earlier. The movie actually is, like you said, Matt, the pinnacle of Sandler's career. It made $163.5 million. Jeez. Yep. And that was 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's all kind of, uh, kinds of implications. Like, mm-hmm. why couldn't he match Big Daddy? Why the f is Grown Ups <laughs> the number two movie? Uh, <laughs> so, um, I imagine we'll have more to say about this this summer. I believe we will. But uh, <laughs> why do you think – do you guys like Big Daddy? I loved it. Um, yeah. And I, part of me thinks that maybe – I don't know. Maybe maybe it had something to do with this because it is kind of a crude kind of kind of comedy like Sandler was used to at the time. But it also had – I mean it was, he was growing up in the movie. The movie was about him growing up and all that. And I right. kind of felt like maybe that – Maybe there was a subconscious yearning for more adult kind of themed comedy in in uh my little adolescent brain when it came out. Uh so maybe that's why I appreciated it more on that on that um level. Yeah, I think so. And I think that's kind of what I was alluding to as well. I, yeah. I feel the same way. And then also the chemistry between him and the kid was just really fun. Yeah. yeah. That kid's yeah. freaking adorable. Yeah. Yes. Tiny, what'd you think of it? Uh, I liked it at the time. I haven't seen it in so long. I, I honestly, I can't give you like a, a true, truly adult, uh, opinion of it. But, um, at the time, I think it just had 
a lot of those classic uh, Sandlerish lines, mm-hmm. uh, or, or or just lines from Sandler movies, like you know, hip hip hop, hip hop anonymous. Like that's just <laughs> right. classic. You know, people were saying that forever, and yeah, um, it's just it's 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 a cute movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. It's good. I I actually showed it to my students uh, at the end of I think last school year or the year before, and it holds up. It's still cute. Cool. Nice. People nice. still like it. Yeah, I like, imagine it would be. Yeah, yeah. We'll talk more about it later at some point. Sure, yeah. definitely. So yeah, um, that's that's my uh, that's my first one. Cool, cool. Um, I'm a little. I have so many on my list, guys. <laughs> um, I'll talk briefly, and I'll I'll double up on this one. I'll talk briefly about this one. We, we'll probably talk more about it later. Um, kind of going with the theme of of Spielberg, uh, Jurassic Park. It was like. 15, 17, 18 years after Jaws, I think. 1993. 1993, yeah. Uh, one of the earliest theater experiences I, I have. Um, and it was just, again, Spielberg replicated the tension of Jaws because we don't see the T-Rex until pretty much exactly halfway through the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's so great. The, the, the special effects were just groundbreaking at the time. And it's just, I mean, I remember feeling just so much anxiety in the theater seat when the kid was climbing the climbing the fence and um um the the woman was was about to turn on the electricity. I was like really it was just so much I was I felt I felt that. It was like an emotional journey for me in that scene. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um but yeah, so so that's I'll if you guys have anything to say about Jurassic Park, we can say it now, but I kind of wanted to double up on that one. So what do you guys think of Jurassic Park? I love that movie. It's, I, you have to love it. It's just so well done. Uh, one of, it's one of my favorite examples of comedic timing or, uh, comic relief. Mm-hmm. Uh, specifically one of the best examples is when they're the, the, the T-Rex attack, when the, the little Jeep gets thrown into the tree mm-hmm. and, uh, the kid, uh, is, is stuck in the car in the tree. And, uh, it's just such a tense moment. It's amazingly scary. I remember watching it for the first time as a kid. I was like, oh my God, he's going to get crushed by the car. Yeah. And the car falls out and it lands on top of him and, uh, the adult guy. Uh, I can't remember <laughs> their names. Um, it lands on top of him and he goes, and we're back in the car again. <laughs> yeah. And I just laughed my ass off as like a eight year old or whatever. It was so funny. Um, yeah. yeah, it's just, and it's, there's just tons of examples like that. Right. Most movies would be a little bit more fun if they just had a little Jeff Goldblum in them. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Jeff Goldblum's awesome. So I yeah. agree. Life, life finds a way. Life, uh, uh, finds a way. Awesome um, movie. Yeah. 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 Mike, I didn't see it in theaters when okay. it came out. I saw it on home video later on. Uh, I remember not understanding why the score moved me so much because I wasn't, <laughs> I was never paid attention to scores. Uh, but toward the end when the, the raptors are attacking the T-Rex and the sign is kind of falling where, where the climax comes to a crescendo. Uh, and then the the score starts up is is like moving. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I kind of miss those days where you, I mean, like now we watch movies and we critique them and all that stuff. But I kind of miss those days where you're so you don't understand the mechanics of filmmaking so much yeah, right. or, or scores and all that or why it's why it's moving you so much. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of miss those those days of naive movie watching. 
Jurassic, yeah, I do too. Um, Jurassic yeah. Park was another example for just personally of me having to listen to my friends talk about it for literally <laughs> years because <laughs> wow. I was I was six when that movie came out. Oh wow! And so uh, a guy gets ripped in half by a T Rex. You know, my yeah, parents wouldn't let me see it. So I don't think I I didn't see that till like. A, like a year before The Lost World came out. I saw oh, that, wow. I saw that in like 1996. Oh, wow. Yeah. Jeez. I mean, it was several years after that came out. So that was huh. like, it was torturous for me. Yeah. yeah. I, um, I remember, I remember specifically like in the lead up to it, talking about hype and everything for a blockbuster. I remember my mom telling us that she read in the paper or something that, uh, talking about how they have these new, these new things in theaters where you, Feel your chair rumble. It's it's D box is what it's called. It's mm. popular in California, mm. um, but it's just I was just in in my head. I was like, oh, that would be amazing. <laughs> yeah, but I I've never experienced it or anything. Oh, um, I yeah. good story. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so there's this thing, but I didn't experience it. So good. Um, and then brief. I'm cheating here. I'm sorry, guys. I just wanted to bring up this other one. That one kind of ran a little long. But Independence Day ID four. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, that's one that I remember more vividly of seeing in the theater. Another Will Smith, uh, 4th of July weekend thing. Um, I loved it so much, so much. Just the, kind of just the world destruction and all that. It was one of the first times I ever saw that. I remember seeing on like HBO, like one of those first look specials where they talked about how Roland Emmerich did the, the destruction of like New York scenes where, where, um, the first time the beam comes down and destroys the city. And it was like, that's another instance of where I, this is the first time that I, I saw like how movies were made because they had a scale model of the entire thing and just basically shot it like that. And I was like, that's so in my head. I was like, how that's so genius. I can't <laughs> believe who would think to do that. Yeah. <laughs> um, not knowing that's a pretty common technique, <laughs> but it was just it was just mind blowing to see how much detail went into this movie and how it came across on on screen because the special effects at the time were just astounding. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I love that movie so much. Yes, yeah, Will yep. Smith, it's a good yeah. one. <laughs> Fourth weekend. <laughs> yep, yep, and Vivica Fox. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you guys awesome. got anything to say about Independence Day? Uh, that one I did actually see in theaters, and it was it was uh, I remember just being a kid and quoting the I gotta get me one of these line all the time. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, I, again, more more awesome Jeff Goldblum. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Stop yeah. talking about the fat lady. You're obsessed with the fat lady. That's the that's the connection there. I didn't even... Wow. I didn't even... <laughs> and he, uses, he reuses the line from Jurassic Park where he's like, must go faster. Must go faster. That's right. He uses yep. it in both movies. Oh, yep. wow. Yeah. Might need to watch a double feature of this. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. So <laughs> Jeff Goldblum, Jeff Marathon. Goldblum, back to back. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Uh, so Tiny, what's your next one? Well, Tiny's time machine is going to stay in the year 1997. <laughs> Patent pending, Tiny's time machine. I love it. Um, I I forgot to mention that this is a pr- very personal list. The, mm-hmm. the one that I made. Um, I, I don't know. I just I. I when I thought of summer blockbusters, I thought about the ones that I've experienced and why they're significant to me. Uh, I mentioned Men in Black. I saw it with my brother and stuff like that. And Will Smith was, I was in love with him, borderline inappropriate. Uh, <laughs> and this movie was, um, another, uh, another torture session for me. It was the movie Face Off. Um, <laughs> nice. that came out in June. 
1997. It made $241 million worldwide. Uh, by the way, I'm getting these numbers from uh, the-numbers.com. Oh. It's such a vague ti- website <laughs> title. <laughs> Nothing to do with it. doesn't sound like it's anything to do with movies, but it's... Yes. Uh, Sounds... I went to IMDb, and they were only... IMDb numbers are kind of off because it's like... Yeah. It's hard to get the international numbers, so... But this this added that in there. So Face Off came out in June, and I didn't really pay a whole lot of attention to it. I was like, yeah, it looks pretty cool. Um, again, I was 10. Um, but I, I came back to school in August or whatever, and everybody in my class was talking about it. And I'm like, was, was it really that good? I mean, and then, you know, people were telling me about it, and they were like, <laughs> they, they take their faces off and they switch. I was like, <laughs> what? How have I not seen this? And it just, and then like people were telling me more stuff about it, uh, like just, you know, uh, Nick Cage being Nick Cage. Right. Um, uh, and John Travolta, I was, I was a big John Travolta fan at the time as well. Um, I was really into Grease. That's a big that's, surprise. That's another story. <laughs> <laughs> I know you um, love your musicals. Yes. So I, I, it was just torture for me and I didn't see it for years. I, I honestly don't Jeez. even remember the first time. I think I was in high school when I finally saw it. <laughs> um, it is a John Woo movie, mm-hmm. um, and it's just so ridiculously, beautifully over the top. Uh, we talked before about uh, the fad, sort of, in the 90s of these, like, over-the-top action movies with, with like, big-name actors who are just kind of okay, or they're kind of crazy now. Right. Uh, John Travolta, Nick Cage, yeah. Christian Slater... Yeah, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Uh, Christian Slater cleaned up in the 90s. He really did. Yeah. <laughs> and the force. 2000s were hard on him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, it's it, it's just such such a preposterous idea for a movie. Yeah. But it worked so well. Um, seeing seeing the two actors kind of switch personalities is, is so satisfyingly entertaining yeah. Uh, yeah. to this That's day. Awesome. To this day. So... Um, so it's cheesy. a fun movie and it was really popular at the time. Um, uh, yeah, it was, it was notable for me. Nice. So. I, I, <laughs> I love it as a concept. Um, yeah, I saw it fairly late as well, but it's, I mean, it's such a fun movie and yeah, I, I don't know. It's, it's just, I don't have much to say about it. Yeah. Yeah. I'll actually say it's actually one of my favorites. Nice. nice. Yeah. I was, uh, for all the same reasons, I mean, it's not, it's not a particularly exemplary movie in any by any means, uh, but it's fun, and it, it's it's both of those actors, uh, I think, in in top form. So yeah, uh, it's it's a good one. Yeah, um, it plays up a lot of like action movie tropes, um, yeah. like the nerds you're looking for. Just brought it up uh, in their most recent episode. How it kind of ends with the two face off between the two having their guns drawn on each other and kind of in a circle thing. And that's just such a common cliche. And it, I, yeah. I love it for the cheese factor. Yeah, totally. Um, cool. Yep. yep. So Mike, what do you got next? Yep. Um, sure. I can talk about, oh, here we go. <laughs> the, <laughs> the promos for my second movie started out on a ship. Uh, and it was kind of ominous and it looked like it was in outer space. And it went on to say, if you see only one movie this summer, see Star Wars. <laughs> but if you see two, see Austin Powers, the spy who shagged me. <laughs> 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 
we've talked about on the show before movies that made us love movies for whatever reason. Um, and this is one of those movies, which is crazy. I know when I, when I call, uh, when you call scream, one of the movies that made you love movies and I call Halloween mm-hmm. and I call Pulp Fiction, one of those movies, it's, it's almost comical that Austin Powers is one of the movies that made me love movies. <laughs> uh, but it is. Right. I, I don't think I've ever quoted a movie more than I have the Austin Powers movies. Oh, probably wow. the second one, which is why I'm talking about it. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, you could ask one of my friends uh, at uh, at work. I tried to go an entire year uh, saying a quote from the movie just in conversation every single day. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I actually did it, but I, but I, I got close. I do Austin Powers and Dr. Evil impressions on a daily basis. Uh, it, it's sort of a language anytime I get together with my extended family. Uh, oh, and when wow. I leave my parents' house, when I visit, I do the, I do the pinky salute. I'm about to travel through time. <laughs> and, I, and I put my pinky up to my mouth. Um, if you think I'm crazy, Austin Powers made 206 million total. Wow. Which is wow. good enough for fourth in 1999. That's fantastic. Yeah. More impressively, it made about 56 million in its opening weekend. Hmm. Huh. Which is the second biggest opening weekend of the year second to star wars episode one well huh yep the first one made 68 million total again in its opening weekend austin powers the spy who shagged me made 56 million and total it made over 206 million wow. which is incredible nice. yeah yeah hmm. um for me the the anticipation was huge uh i saw it opening weekend at the drive-in uh, and here's kind of like Tiny said with the personal aspect of it. Um, I'm going to stick with 1999, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, it meant something to me because it was the last movie I watched at the drive-in in Aurora, Illinois, before we moved to Indiana. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. And so I remember um, I remember it incredibly vividly. Um, I remember playing, throwing a baseball around beforehand and, and thinking, man, I'm moving after this. This sucks. But I got to see Austin Powers. I think, and I'm not sure, I wish I could confirm this, I even texted my brother beforehand that the movie that showed before Austin Powers, because you know you get a two for it, a drive-in, was actually um, Big Daddy. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Yeah, but I'm I'm not sure. I I could be wrong. Um, I haven't seen it in maybe 10 years, and I'm a little scared to. Mm -hmm. I love the nostalgia for it, and it's... it's, uh, Cultural penetration is undeniable, and I think I love it for that. Um, so I don't know. It, it probably means more to me than it does to anybody else, but I, I think you can definitely um, – it definitely falls under that criteria that you listed earlier on. Yeah, yeah totally. Th- absolutely. Nice. Thoughts? Um, you're not a fan of Bond, are you? No, not yeah. particularly. That's interesting because, I mean, it plays on a lot of tropes from from the Bond movies. I'm actually looking oh, forward to – Oh, does it? To- uh no it's just it's interesting to me i'm excited to i haven't watched it either in in a long time and part of that is i'm also a little afraid to watch them because i mean it's so the the first two movies i i don't want to say that there was a third movie i did not like the i did not like gold yeah i didn't either but the first two movies they're so they're so dear to me in, in my movie going uh history Yep. That I'm also afraid to afraid to watch them again. I mean, Will Ferrell in the first one is <laughs> <just a little laughs> hysterical. Yeah. Um and then the second one just it was one of the 
maybe not one of the first because I do remember seeing Bill and Ted in, in the drive-in, but it was like an, another early instance of me attaching myself to time travel in movies because I'm a huge nerd for time travel. I love <laughs> it, but it was this was such a fun, a fun movie. Um, uh, I don't really have much else to say about. It. I'm looking forward to revisiting them. I'm I was planning on seeing them uh, in tandem with my big uh, Bond. 50th anniversary box set. Oh, nice thing! Because and I'm kind of slow going through that. I'm still like halfway through the Bond movie. So once I get to the time uh, chronologically where the Austin Powers movies come out, I'm going to watch them, having the history of of the Bond franchise in in my head. But I'm a little afraid that it might taint my experience. Nice yeah. that it might taint your Austin Power or your my Bond Austin, experience. Austin Powers. Uh, I'm afraid that it'll be like okay, I can see these. I can see where all of these kind of gags originated from, and I feel like I'm afraid that it might kind oh, of yeah. spoil some of the some of the specialness of of them. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I will say that it has really made me enjoy the Bond movies because, <laughs> um, like, uh, one of the early ones has has them all meeting at a table and and Blofeld, um, like kills one of them at the table with the button it's just it's like <laughs> i think uh thunderball i think it was thunderball was one of the ones that really influenced mike myers in making austin powers and it really shows when you watch that movie yeah i remember uh like like fat bastard impressions <laughs> becoming a thing yeah. and oh, like because yes. like that oh, that was so funny to me it's that was so... my like my favorite part of it like <laughs> to this day I, I will still often say i've got a crap on deck the kachuka donkey <laughs> Like I say that I've got a turtle head poking out like all the time. Oh, oh, yeah. yeah, I don't even do the accent anymore. I just it is part of my vernacular to say I've got a turtle head poking out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, that is great. Yeah. Um, yeah, and that, that's part of the reason why I'm a little afraid to watch them again. Also, because I mean that's such a juvenile gag. Oh yeah. yeah um, it and is. it's such a juvenile character that I, I'm a little worried about that. But man, that movie. Good pick. Good pick. Yeah. Thank you. No. Um, guess that brings it to me, doesn't it? Yes. Yep. Um, I'm going to go a little more contemporary for this, and I don't know how it's going to play in this conversation, but, um, if you want a good story about this movie, um, check out our movie theater experiences two episode with Craig Lane from Intermission Podcast. He has a really good story about this, but Transformers. Ah. The first one. Um, <laughs> Well, you huh. guys are going more personal. I'm just, I'm going for kind of a more contemporary movie. I probably should have swapped this, this one with the last one, but, um, this movie for me was just such a surprise. I didn't see it in the theater. I didn't, I didn't even think much about it because I'm like, okay, Michael Bay is making a movie about toys based <laughs> on toys. I'm, this is trash. I'm not going to watch it. And it, the franchise did turn into just crap, but that mm-hmm. first one, there's a charm to it. Um, I really, I really connected, um, to Shia LaBeouf's characters, kind of his awkwardness. Yeah. He, he plays up this awkward teen kind of thing. And I'm like, that was me. <laughs> um, that's, I, I feel for you, buddy. Although I could never pull a girl like Megan Fox, but still, um, it was, it was just a lot of fun. Um, kind of a classic Michael Bay crap. Um, and there are better Michael Bay movies that could be entered into this into this conversation, but something about Transformers just kind of spoke to me. It was a it was a perfect balance of fun and more fun because um, <laughs> there's not really much substance to it. Yeah. And that kind of if if 
Shia LaBeouf's character wasn't played so awkwardly and, and so as an awkward teen and all that. I was, and it's not even that big, big a part of the movie. But if he hadn't played it quite that way, I probably would have been just completely forgettable. But that kind of brought it around for me. Yeah, so. I agree. The The draw for me, I was not really a big uh, uh, Transformers f- fan when I was younger. It, it didn't – that wasn't the draw at all. Uh, it was it was the kid from Even Stevens <laughs> was the draw. And I was excited nice. to see Shia LaBeouf. And he didn't disappoint. No. No, he didn't. Um, I knew him from I, – I never saw Even Stevens, but I knew him from Project Greenlight, uh, the okay. Bravo – uh, reality series uh, about make, filmmaking and stuff. He was the, picked for I think season two's movie, um, and I just remember there was a scene where he's he's kind of getting into character because it's a it's a role. The movie that they were making was um, um, the Battle of Shaker Heights. Yeah, yeah. Um, and there's a scene where like his dad is sick or something like that, and he was trying to get into character and all that, and he was thinking of all this stuff, and like he was talking about like his process, but I mean he was a teenager, um, but he spoke with such such uh, such. I, and now that I eloquence. think about it, eloquence, yeah. So such self awareness of his of his well, of his acting um, method and all that. That I kind of wonder if maybe they, you know, it was a little bit scripted. But um, I don't think so. He strikes me as that as that kind of performer, even at that young of an age. Mm-hmm. And that I think is why he stood out and why I was so excited about seeing this and why I loved yeah. even Stevens so much and why even more. It's such a damn shame what happened to the kid. Oh, I know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It is. I, I was a Shia LaBeouf, sort of an apologist, more more of a. I think I think more a defender is a better word because mm-hmm. I yeah. think I think his work is absolutely defensible. Right. Um, oh yeah. I think he's done some quality work. Yeah. Uh, I, I agree with you guys. He's 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 the draw of the film for me mm-hmm. as well. Um, but at the same time, like there's just say what you will about Michael Bay. It's just cool to see some shit blow up. It is. I mean, absolutely. it is. Sometimes oh, yeah. it's exactly what you're looking for. Yeah. And this movie does not skimp on that no. at all. Um, right. Yeah. And I think Transformers was, we're all the same age. I think it was just a little bit ahead of our time. It was, it, it was yeah. 80, totally. 80s cartoon, you know, we yeah. were, we I had were no attachment to them. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I had absolutely no attachment to Transformers before the movie. Right. Same or way. after the movie <laughs> for that matter. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's my that's my pick. Um Tiny, what about you? That's a good pick. Um continuing on. Uh this this movie is from uh, May of 2006. It is um Ron Howard's The Da Vinci Code. Okay. Um that's interesting. And again, just very very personal pick for me because <clears throat> excuse me. Um I read that book, uh, Dan Brown's The Da Vinci Code, um which was a phenomenon, a literal worldwide phenomenon. Um it was uh, Dan Brown. He's not not as particularly amazing writer or anything, but he 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 knows how to pick his material. <laughs> I mean, right. that's 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 what stands out about this book that he wrote. Um, and I read that book, and it just absolutely blew me away. Um, in in, in just every single way. I think it was one of the first maybe one of the first seeds that had been planted in my mind of kind of my, my where my uh, opinions towards faith uh, went eventually and have mm-hmm. gotten to now. Um, mm-hmm. And that that's how powerful that, that book was. And so at the time, I was pretty much a full-blown movie buff. And uh, I was just so 
unbelievably excited for the movie. I mean, like yeah. I, I'm not exaggerating. I remember sitting in the theater waiting for it to start. I was literally shaking. I was so excited. <laughs> I was like, wow. dude, I was like, it's Ron Howard. It's Tom Hanks. They're going to knock it out of the park. It's going to be freaking amazing. It was, it was okay. I mean, it was, it was, it was okay. <laughs> um, but it was, it, it was, the movie was a bit of a phenomenon itself. It made $767 million. Uh, I forgot how successful this movie was. Um, just in the U.S., I think it made close to half a billion, um, which that's huge. I mean, it's from 2006, so a little bit of inflation, you know, maybe it's $800, $900 million, but it was just a, and it had a huge worldwide box office as well. Yeah. It's, uh, it, it, it made a lot of impact in Europe and, um, I think the Italians are pretty pissed about it. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, not too kind to Catholicism, but, um, it's just a really terrific idea for, it's just a terrific story. Um, incredible information, you know, um, and, and just had such a huge impact on me. Um, I just can't believe how excited for it I was. Um, so that's why it, it really stuck out to me. Nice. Um, yeah. I, uh, I've been a very big detractor of Dan Brown's writing for a long time. Yeah. But I will say he is a damn fine storyteller. Yeah. Um, cause I mean, he can, he can really, he can really, uh, keep momentum and, and pace going really well. And, uh, I, I like the movie. I thought the movie was fine. I own it, but I mean, I don't, it's one of those movies that I'm like, eh, if I were to sell my stuff, <laughs> it might go on the chopping block. Um, I was more, I was more drawn to National Treasure, um, <laughs> for my, for my kind of history based, uh, mysteries, mysteries and, and right. history, kind of, mysteries, history's mysteries. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I, I thought it was good. Uh, Tom Hanks is spectacular in everything he does. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Yeah. I uh I saw the movie. I got to see a uh an early screening of it. Oh, nice. Um I dated a girl who worked for a radio station and they were always given early screening tickets, the premieres. Uh so we saw it about a week before it came out. Um I didn't read the book and I I can't say I was crazy excited for it, but I think I was just kind of buying into the hype. Mm-hmm. Um so I was looking forward to seeing it after it was over, I kind of felt the same way you did, Tiny. I was like, yeah, it was good. Yeah. yeah. I read the book in like two days or maybe a night. Um, it's a really quick read in itself, but uh, of mention, of note, I guess, um, the illustrated edition. It's terrific. So amazing. It's so good. Huh. Um, because it shows, it basically shows all the clues and like pictures and, and stuff of the clues. And you can see it's really immersive. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, it's... Uh... Man, I was so disappointed in it. <laughs> um, Angels and Demons is, I would say the book is on par with, uh, with Da Vinci Code. A lot of people think it's actually the better book. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's the better movie too. Um, thought it was a little bit more fun. Yeah, like Ewan McGregor in it. Yeah. Um, I don't really remember. And I almost made a dig when, when you, I'll just go ahead and say it. It's, yeah, it's, uh, it's on par with Da Vinci Code because it's pretty much the same fucking book. Um, <laughs> <laughs> No, it's like, not. I mean, it's not, but I mean, it's just the, you can just see just, if you were to outline each book, they hit the exact same marks and pretty yeah. much the exact same time, but. True. Um, but no, the movie was okay. Uh, I don't really remember it that well. I don't think I own it. Um, yeah. 
Yep, so that's number three for me. Cool, cool. What do you got next, Mike? Uh, yeah, this, I guess, uh, hopefully hopefully this is all we do, because I don't have a whole lot more. Yeah, this will be the last one. I okay, think. yeah. For for my last one, then, the number three uh, is the other movie from the Austin Powers trailer, uh, and it's Star Wars Episode One. Oh, nice. Yeah. Of course I, I was going to do a Star Wars movie. <laughs> if you didn't think I was going to do a Star Wars movie, you haven't. This is your first episode of the podcast. <laughs> right. Um, I considered doing Star Wars Episode Three. I think I was more excited for it. Um, but I, I kind of talked about that at length in the theater experience episode. Right. Um, so I won't. It made four hundred and thirty-one million eighty-eight thousand two hundred ninety-five dollars total, uh, and it had a sixty-four point eight million opening. Yep. Interestingly, I did not attend that. Uh, midnight was not a concept for me when I was in sixth grade. Right. Yeah. But I, I had a friend who saw it. The, the, the friend who actually got me into Star Wars saw it. Uh, and so he like recounted most of it to me the next day. Um, what I remember most about it is, is that I was too young to be jaded about it. Like a lot of the people who hated it, um, were kind of either kids uh, when it came out or teenagers when they came out or saw it at a very, very young age. Mm-hmm. And I might have said on here before, I, I was kind of late to the game on Star Wars. A lot of people I know found it at a very young age. I was like 11, 10 or 11 when I first saw um, the original trilogy. So anyway, I was super excited for episode one and I just loved how awesome it was. Um, I, I've I bought in full force. I I had all the action figures. I still have most of the main players from the movie in their boxes. Um, I played the video game. I collected the Taco Bell toys, all of it. Yeah. And and I even saw it twice. Um, It's, it's the one on my list that is, uh, is a head scratcher. Like why would you say star Wars episode one, but it's also (laughs) undeniable the cultural impact that star Wars episode one had. Um, I could have probably said the first Star Wars, but I kind of wanted to keep it in 1999. And I also kind of wanted to pick movies that didn't predate me. Uh, Even more so, Episode One was made for me. That movie was made for 12-year-olds. And and it it was absolutely integral to to who I am today when that movie came out. Um, Today I watch it and it is undoubtedly a mess. The politics Mm -hmm. are muddy. They're a drag. Uh, Jake Lloyd is in it. (laughs) Actually, the... (laughs) I just love that he's in it. (laughs) Yeah, Jake Lloyd is in it. Uh, Actually, the ADR work in it is atrocious. In all the prequel movies, the ADR is just awful. Wow. Um, so it's really bad. The CGI is laughable. The two best things about it died at the end. Of course, I'm uh, referring to Lucas's credibility and faith in the future of Star Wars. Nice. That's a joke. No, Qui Gon. Qui Gon died, and, and um, I got gotcha. you. They're the best things about the movie. They are. Yeah, and they died. Uh, and I'm not even going to touch Jar Jar. Oh, I considered mentioning the Matrix as as this one. Mm-hmm. Um, it came out about a month before Star Wars Episode Three, a month and a half, uh, and it kind of set a new bar for special effects. Yeah. So that absolutely didn't help Star Wars Episode One when it came out. But when mm-hmm. I was twelve, it didn't matter. Star Wars was back. I couldn't be more thrilled. Um, culturally, of course, it was ripped to 
um, or critically, it was ripped to pieces, but right. but people still flipped out about it. Um, people went to. I wish I could tell you the movie that they went to to see the trailer, but I mean, people were buying tickets yeah. to see a movie mm-hmm. to see the trailer and then walk out. Yeah, <laughs> that that's how big a deal it was to people. Um, just it was on the news. People lined up about it. They they made the movie fanboys about it. Right. <laughs> um, and it's still popular today. People still talk about it today. It's it's it kept Star Wars alive. People talk about how big of a cultural thing Star Wars is and how it's not even about the movies anymore. It's about the expanded universe and mm-hmm. the and the the universe of Star Wars and just everything that there is. It's toys, comics, video games, everything now. You it's hard to remember that at a time it was just a movie. And I would go as far as to argue that before Star Wars episode 1, it was still kind of just the movies. Yeah. There yeah. was merchandise and that stuff was important, but culturally it was known for the movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Star Wars Episode One blew it up. Absolutely blew it up. Uh, yeah. Agreed. Yeah, I, totally. I think you're right that it was, it was the movies so much. And I think when these new ones came out, uh, most specifically the, the episode one, people saw how not good they were and they just wanted to cling to anything else that was new star wars and so that's how the expanded universe has become so popular yeah um which is a great thing because there's some really quality stuff out there yep. um but uh you mentioned uh and i agree with it that uh the uh the two good things about the movie were qui-gon and uh, darth maul uh mm-hmm. i would throw the music in there as well as being well very sure good. Okay. Yeah, I agree with you. That's kind of a given, I guess, but you're right. That's true. Yeah. I mean, it just, it, it was new music. It, it was, it was different from the, from the music from the original trilogy. Uh, I remember the song Duel of the Fates, which is yeah. the song that plays during the, yeah, the, the, <laughs> the three way sword fight in the end, um, the climactic, uh, sword fight, which uh, is just, amazing for is. all that movie's faults. Exactly. So great. It's exactly. amazing. Yeah. And I, again, I remember the cultural impact of it as well. I remember after opening weekend of, of that coming back to school and there was like, I think there were a couple guys in my class who went and saw it like three times that opening weekend. And, uh, and I, I hadn't seen it yet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I remember going, I remember going to Kings Island, uh, with some, some group. I don't remember. Uh, for school, but I remember me and my friend were sitting, or it might have been with his family, but anyway, we were kind of sitting, because I'm not good with heights, um, <laughs> so I skipped uh, uh, one of the rides, and he was basically talking about it, it was like after he'd seen it, um, dogs just came in, anyway, um, I had just seen it, or I hadn't seen it, and I wasn't a fan of Star Wars, I, I don't think I'd seen any of the Star Wars movies yet. Um, and my friend, he saw it and he was basically telling, like Mike, what you said, he, he was basically telling me point by point all the stuff of the movie. And I'm like, that sounds amazing. And then I eventually like saw the movie and I liked it a lot. And then I, I remember playing that game, the, the video game so, so much. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, it was just, it was, it was really cool. And I, I remember, I remember enjoying it when I saw it, um, but still not enough to really jump into the whole uh, universe. Yeah. Um, 
So to kind of tie a knot, by the way, on the 1999 thing, uh, I, I saved this one for last, and I talked about how the summer of 1999 was so important to me because I moved. What I love so much about Star Wars Episode One is that while um, in Aurora, Illinois, which is a suburb of Chicago, I, I wasn't necessarily known for anything. Uh, I, I was able to bring an identity of someone who loves Star Wars uh, to Indiana, and I kind of connected and made n- new friends through that, and I and I kind of um, point to the summer of '99, and that I loved um, Adam Sandler movies, and I could quote those. Uh, I could quote the entire Austin Powers uh, <laughs> duology, I guess at that time. Right. <laughs> um, and I was I was a Star Wars kid, so that that summer meant a lot to me, and and Star Wars was uh was probably the most important. At the time. Nice. That's great. Yeah. Nice. Um, should we switch over to Potpourri then? Let's do sure. it. Cool. Um, this, of course, is the section of the podcast where we talk about uh, anything that's we've watched or looking forward to or anything anything that's on our minds regarding movie or TV, news, industry, all that stuff, uh, as long as it smells good. So who wants to go first? Uh, give me a second. Someone else. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, Tiny, what do you got for us for Purpur? Well, uh, kind of sticking to a theme here. Um, <laughs> because, uh, today, which is, uh, the 28th of April, 29th mm-hmm. of April, um, they, uh, I guess Disney released news. It was the actual, uh, the, uh, actual cast casting choices for uh, episode seven of star Wars directed by JJ Abrams. Nice. And I I saw it on, uh, I found it on Facebook Mm -hmm. and like, I was so hesitant to just click on it because I've been so excited for it. And it's just like, they've been slowly building this news release for it over months and, and almost a year now. Yeah. Um, and it's just, it's so tense for me because I'm so, I'm trying not to get too excited about it. Um, <laughs> and I, I'm really happy with the choices that they, they ultimately made for it. Um, of course, uh, well, not of course, but, uh, they did, you know, acknowledge that, uh, the three biggest actors from the original trilogy will be back. Harrison Ford, Mark Hamill, and Carrie Fisher playing their respective roles. Uh, but some of the new faces are really exciting. Um, Andy Serkis, who is most famous for playing Gollum in mm-hmm. uh, Lord of the Rings, super excited for that. I'm, I'm kind of hoping that he doesn't do mocap. I hope he's just, it's just Andy Serkis. Like, right. <laughs> I'm kind of sick of seeing the guy in CGI only. Um, he's, he's a great actor with a lot of range. Um, so that's exciting. And then, um, to, uh, Bring it back to Mike's introduction to this episode where he was talking about About Time. Nice. Uh, mm-hmm. The actress, uh, I believe it's pronounced Domhnall Gleeson, mm-hmm. um, British actor, uh, who was in the movie About Time. He is also in Star Wars Episode Seven. Yeah. Um, that, that makes me so excited. Yeah. That's that's my favorite part. Nice. Yeah. I've seen him in some other stuff, so hmm. it's exciting for me as well. Um, that's awesome. My, my favorite uh, acting choice is Adam Driver because I, man, he's just really good on, he's <laughs> the best part of the show Girls. I hate that show. Uh, <laughs> but he's, he's, I think he's going to be an amazing actor and I can't, can't wait to see what he does, especially if he plays a villain like they've been kind of hinting at. Yeah. Um, Oscar Isaac. Everything I've seen him in, he's been great. Uh, looking forward to that. Can't go wrong with uh, Max von Sydow, classic mm-hmm. actor. He's like so old. I don't know what they're going to have him do. <laughs> right. <laughs> and then uh, a couple of unknown British actors. Uh, 
Josh or I'm sorry, John Boyega and uh, Daisy Ridley. Um, I, John Boyega, I saw him in the movie Attack the Block, but I kind of haven't seen the movie in a while. So, uh, but yeah, it's man, it's exciting casting choices, getting me more excited for the movie. Nice. Can't what wait. all? What has Oscar Isaac been in? Uh, he was in the movie Driver or Dri- Drive. 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 Sorry. <laughs> yeah, he was the boyfriend that of uh of the of the girl that okay. Ryan Gosling was Carrie Mulligan with Carrie Mulligan. Okay. He's probably most famous for playing um Inside Lewin Davis. Yeah, he played Lewin Davis in Inside okay. Lewin Davis, yeah. Okay, um, I got you. And he's a good actor. Nice. So Yeah, I'm just fun great news. I'm I'm excited. Are are you excited for it, Mike? Yeah, oh my gosh, I can't wait. I, I saw it I saw it about twenty minutes, I think, after they posted it and I was just I, I retweeted it, I posted it on Facebook, I told all my colleagues at work, I told my students. <laughs> I did the I same excited. thing. I was at work too and people were coming up to the desk and I was like, Oh, there they released the uh the casting list for the Star Wars episode seven. People yeah. were like, They're making a seven star get the hell out of here. Yeah, exactly. How did you exactly. not know that? I love it. Yeah, so it, it kinda made my day. So that's cool. Yep. I'm glad you guys are excited for it. Um, yeah, Matt doesn't care. <laughs> yeah. No, it's not that I don't care. I mean, it sounds, it's going to be cool. I'll be, I'll check it out. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. Yeah. yeah. Mike, what do you got for us for Pooper? Sure. I'll be quick. Um, uh, cause I've got a couple. I saw the movie Oculus, oh, uh, okay. last week, the WWE horror movie. It was okay. Okay. <laughs> uh, kind of predictable. Had some decent scares. A surprising R rating. Um, but I would say it's, it's, it's worth checking out. I would red box it. Okay. Um, hmm. I also want to mention, um, that I saw, I watched Good Burger. Uh, and th- did I talk about this at the beginning of the episode or did we yeah. talk about this in the pre stuff? Uh, beginning of the episode. Okay. Well, never mind. <laughs> um, the other thing I guess I got to talk about is, uh, we'll stick with the summer blockbusters. And, uh, this is where I'll say my thoughts on Amazing Spider-Man 2. I'm excited to see what happens. Um, I am at this point pretty sure that they're going to kill Gwen Stacy. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm yeah. about 90% sure they're going to kill Gwen Stacy. Um, I really didn't like the first one, so they can't fall much further than that. Um, and everything I've seen so far has me excited, and I plan I plan to see it twice this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> nice, uh, yeah. yeah. There's not, I mean, there's not much to say about it that people don't already know. I guess I just kind of wanted to give my thoughts. Uh, right. I really love Andrew Garfield. I r- love Dane DeHaan, so mm-hmm. I'm excited to see how that mm-hmm. plays out. Nice. Uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to that too. And by the time this post, it'll have already been released. But right. Um, yeah, check us out on Twitter um, to see what we thought of it. But uh, my pick for um, Potpourri is uh, me and Tiny both saw this uh, Transcendence. Yes, we did. And, oh yeah, okay. Yeah, it's uh, it's Wally Fister's first. Don't movie. say too much because I haven't seen it yet. Okay, okay. Uh, well, it was Wally. It's Wally Fister's first movie. He's uh, the DP on pretty much all of um, Christopher Nolan's movies, and. The premise is really is really uh, really interesting. It's it's about um, the singularity, pretty much, where the emergence of um, melding mm, human consciousness with with machines and computers and stuff. And um, 
it was okay. I mean, <laughs> it was just you can kind of tell the the pacing was a bit off for me, and uh, you can kind of tell that it was a first time director. Um, and like like Tiny mentioned this after after we saw it, but um, not to steal your <laughs> words, <laughs> but uh, saying that it's it, Fister doesn't really have a a style yet. Um, so it's kind of it was kind of a visually ambiguous kind of directing style in it. Kind of generic. Generic, yeah. yeah. I was trying to be polite <laughs> for him. <laughs> no, but it was it was kind of a generic kind of kind of offering and uh pretty pretty set, unfortunately pretty forgettable. Um somebody referred to it as I think it was a review I read, somebody referred to it as another depthaster. <laughs> Which I yeah. thought I thought was I a- wonder I think they were just talking about the box office numbers. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I mean, it deserves a little bit more, but I mean, I just, I just didn't really connect to it that much. Yeah. Well, and plus, I don't think the fault is Johnny Depp's. <laughs> no, no, yeah, he wasn't the problem with the movie. Right. Um, yeah, it was, it was, it bordered on the under, on on underwhelming. Yeah. Bordered on being underwhelming for me. Yeah. But uh, I, I think Wally Fister could. You know, if he can dig himself out of this hole, he can, he could do some good things. So, yeah, yep. yep. So, cool. yeah, I think that about does it. Does it not? I believe it summer does. blockbusters. Cool. Yes. Uh, let us know what your favorite summer blockbusters or what summer blockbusters you're most looking forward to this summer. Which, by the way, which ones are you guys looking forward to? I'm kind of, kind of going more toward. Uh, well. Guardians of the Galaxy and Godzilla. What do you guys? What are you guys looking most forward to? You know, I was excited for. Uh, I was excited for Captain America. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that kind of that was the one I was most excited for. So nice. I guess the only other one really is Spider Man. Cool. Well, for me, it has to be uh, the movie with my two favorite actors in it: X Men. Uh, oh, Days nice. Future Past, James McAvoy, mm-hmm. Michael Fassbender. So nice. really looking forward to that. Awesome. Yep. Yeah, it, it'll be a good summer. Um. As always, thank you for listening to the Obsessive Viewer podcast, and thank you to Star Tissue for providing our awesome opening theme music. You can find more of their music at soundcloud.com slash startissue. The link is also in the show notes for, for you to click it. <laughs> uh, please, please rate and review us on iTunes and vote for us for Podcast of the Month on podcastland.com. Both help us out a lot, and uh, especially rate, rating and review us on iTunes. We're trying to get that uh, new and noteworthy status. Um and also like our Facebook page at facebook.com slash the obsessive viewer. Uh, we're posting a lot of like articles and, and, uh, commentary on there that doesn't really fit in with the blog. Uh, you can also, of course, follow each of us on Twitter. Uh, as noted at the top of the podcast, uh, you can find me, Matt, at obsessive viewer. Tiny is at obsessive tiny and Mike is at I am Mike White. Uh, you can also check out the blog at obsessiveviewer.com. Uh, we're posting a lot of great stuff there. I've, uh, finished up reviewing all of the second season of House of Cards, and I'm trying to think of, uh, we just released our, um, bonus episode. I'm trying to think of the timeline here. <laughs> We've just released our second, our, our bonus episode of, uh, talking about the first two seasons of House of Cards. It's a lot of fun. So if you watch that show, check that, check out that episode. Uh, also reviewed every episode of Bates Motel. If you're into that show, you can check that out on the website and also just general commentary and, uh, uh, movie reviews of, and, and, and stuff on obsessiveviewer.com. Also check out our sister site at obsessivebooknerd.com uh, where we're posting book reviews and, and commentaries on the nature of uh, or in the evolving world of, of reading 
Um, and also check out Tiny's side project, The Secular Perspective, at thesecularperspective.com. It's a podcast all about the healthy discussion of religion and secularism in the world today from all kinds of perspectives. Um, and if you finally, if you have any thoughts on the podcast or suggestions for future topics or if you want to send us uh, uh, wow, audio files of, of stuff that uh, you want us to play or anything like that, you can email us at ovpodcast at gmail.com. And that about does it. I almost did a good job there until the end. <laughs> um, yeah. I'll get them one of these days. You're getting there. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I actually had it all written out here. But anyway, uh, that about does it for us. Thanks for listening, guys. Thanks. Thanks for listening. All right, so it's been a week since uh, since we recorded this episode, and I figured that uh, since all three of us saw the Amazon Spiderman 2 uh, this past weekend that we can all, uh, I figured we'd just sit down and talk about it to tack it on to the end of this episode. Uh, so how's it going guys? What'd you guys think of the amazing Spider-Man 2? We sucked. We've all seen it, right? Yes. Yes, we have. Yeah. Did you say sucked tiny? No. Yeah, I was just being, I was just trolling. Oh, <laughs> sorry. Well, what, we'll let you go first. What do you think? I really liked it a lot. Um, yeah, that's it. No, it was uh, it was great. I think they, um, excuse me, I think they really amped everything up uh, on pretty much every level. Uh, I remember Matt saying he was worried it was going to be bloated. Um, yeah, kind of, maybe kind of was. I think um, it seemed like some of the other storylines would have been much more, um, uh, I don't know, much more fulfilling. I guess if they had kind of cut some of the stuff out. But uh, overall, I, I liked it a lot. I thought it was a step up. Nice. Cool. Uh, I liked it too, quite a bit. Uh, with a couple asterisks. I don't know how to how the asterisks. Asterisks. Yes, sure. Um, I think that's how you say it. Ostracizers. I. <laughs> <laughs> um, I liked it quite a bit with an asterisk or two. Mm-hmm. Um, it, I was afraid that it would be bloated. Yeah, and to an extent, it, it kind of was the like the whole prologue with with. Uh, um, uh, mom and pop, um, parents, yeah. Parker. Yeah. That on the plane, that, Richard and Mary. Yeah. That didn't really, I feel like that didn't need to be included or it didn't need to be so prolonged, especially at the beginning of the movie. Um, mm-hmm. that, and plus some of the other stuff like, like, I mean, granted I'm coming at this from, uh, from a place of not having any knowledge of the comics or anything, but, and maybe Mike, you can shed some light on this, but is there any reason why we needed to know that Aunt May is a nurse? Because that just no. seemed kind of weird. No, not at all. Okay, 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 cool. Um, and then also, like, like Paul Giamatti didn't need to be in it. It was all kind of um, leading towards Sinister Six, I, I believe. Um, it was like like Rhino is just completely useless in in the movie and kind of just superfluous to it. But the meat, the meat of the uh, the meat of the movie, uh, it was really good. I really liked the special effects; were fantastic. Um, I love. I mean, like I, I, I could watch like Spider Man just spinning like a uh, uh, web sling throughout New York City uh, all day, um, especially in that iteration of it because the special effects were really good. So all in all, I liked it quite a bit. Uh, Mike, what do you think? Um, I'll be as brief as possible because I I wrote a review for it that should be up on the site 
mm-hmm. by now, uh, as well as hopefully a video of my discussion of, of one of my best friends. We, we talked about it at length afterwards. So I'm hoping he has that edited and put up. Um, but I'm going to say kind of a lot of the same things you did. I'm, I'm going to borrow from my review quickly. Um, the only thing Amazing Spider-Man had to do was be better than the first one, <laughs> which I thought was terrible. I, I hate the first Amazing Spider-Man movie. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was. It was significantly better. I remember thinking it did a lot of things to make up for the things that really bummed me out about the first one. Um, I agree fully. I thought I thought the opening scene with the parents was was kind of silly. They say that a movie is set up in its first scene, like the entire movie could could be summed up in its first scene, and that yeah. was pretty throwaway. Right. Um, I'll I'll disagree with you on the the Rhino thing, but only slightly. Maybe perhaps because it was Paul Giamatti, people were expecting more. But I kind of liked um, that we saw the rhino only briefly it's it was almost like a cameo almost like an easter egg sure. um and i appreciated that like because because you get all kinds of those things in comics where where he'll kind of just be dipping out of a fight before you get into the main storyline um and i think the problem i think where a lot of people will agree with you is that you don't cast paul giamatti for something like that right mm-hmm. um but i but i appreciated it Dane DeHaan, as always, just is out of this world. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't wait till he's he's the star of something big. Um, Emma Stone and Andrew Garfield were were perfect as always. Um, what I what I keep coming to with this movie is that I'm worried about a third movie. Mm-hmm. Like I, I don't know what else there is to do. I feel like if there was an arc for Peter Parker, uh, it was all about getting the girl and then losing the girl and then getting the girl back and then you know i won't spoil what happens at the end but how that is left i feel like his arc is done especially in the uh in the the very closing scene of the movie i feel like peter parker finds out why he is spider-man um and i'm and i'm worried what they could possibly do in a third one that that isn't just a comic book thing right um, speaking spoiler-free about um, uh, what all happened between between um, uh, Gwen Stacy and, and Peter Parker, their scenes together, where it's just Peter Parker and Gwen Stacy, like I just I loved those scenes. I thought that yeah, they, I could watch those over and over again. Yeah, I like I would like at times when they're when they're talking, like there was a scene where they're in, where they're uh, kind of out and about and and they kind of meet up. Um. I was just in there like I could I could watch like an entire rom com that's just their story or whatever um, and be right. completely fine with it. Um, yeah, one of the things I say in my review is that is my favorite superhero movies are the ones where um, if you didn't have the costumes you could still enjoy it. And I think there are several moments in this movie that 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 is the case. Absolutely, and I could watch the two of them. Adorbs. <laughs> yeah, uh, some of the scenes of the two of them are are just as fun to watch as uh, as the web swinging you were talking about. Oh yeah, I think I absolutely agree. And I wonder if I wonder how much of that is due to their just chemistry, just as because they're a couple in real life, I believe, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I wonder how much is that of that is due to that. Um, yeah, it's got to be partly. Yeah, but they're both very talented and and very uh, very good. Mm-hmm. I loved the uh, the quippiness of Spider-Man in this movie. He yeah, was yeah, always 
interjecting little fun lines, little comedic lines in like throughout the action scenes. Um, are the comics like that, Mike? Or is he like oh, that? Oh, absolutely. It, it was nice. something that was. Uh, it was something that was missed in the in the originals for sure. Mm-hmm. Nice. And I love how much of an extension it is of the first one in that regard because the first one had like a few really good things like the the like obviously everyone's favorite part favorite part of the first one is uh, the knife thing like oh you uh, oh a knife you found my one weakness or something but yeah. it's just it was so like they did so much more with with just his wit and his and his kind of I I don't want to say cockiness but just his just his witticisms in this movie was just mm-hmm. amplified. Um, yes, yeah. part of what makes a good sequel a good sequel is that they just take what worked in the first one and, and just expanded it quite a bit, and that's what they did here. For fans of of Spider Man, what they say is that <clears throat> how you feel about the actor who plays Peter Parker is really uh, is really a matter of opinion. You can like what Andrew Garfield did, you can like what Tobey Maguire did, but th- it is without question that Andrew Garfield is a better Spider Man. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah, and I think cool. if you asked any any Spider fan that they would agree with that statement. Yeah. So Mike, Matt, and I talked about it a little bit after we watched the movie together. We held hands. We snuggled. It was sure. um. Uh, so we talked about it afterwards. But uh, I I asked him. I thought Dane DeHaan as uh, um, Harry Osborn phenomenal, just phenomenal. But I think as Green Goblin, I thought he really really towed the line of being a little over the top. I, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. How did you feel about it? I felt all right about it. Um, it, it depends, again, on what you're looking for. With, with comic right. book movies, and this one is very much a comic book movie, I kind of, in my review, I compare it to The Dark Knight in things I like about it that aren't necessarily superhero. They're defi- it's definitely a colorful comic booky movie, and so, so I kind of liked it. Um, I also said that it reminded me of his character in Chronicle, which, mm-hmm. which is a better movie and a better part. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. but, but I was okay with it. My, my friend asked me, like, as it happened, as he transformed, he turned to me and he goes, are, are you okay with that? Is, that? is that how you would have wanted it? <laughs> and I kind of turned back to him and I said, well, you know, it's all right. Um, I, I kind of learned a long time ago. I feel like with the second Raimi movie that you, you definitely have to separate yourself from the comic book uh, when you're watching these movies and just kind of appreciate them as movies while also appreciating the fact that the source material is a comic book. So if they go a little over the top at times, you kind of have to appreciate it. Um, I can totally see what you're saying. I was, I was just so excited about the scene and what I, what I knew was going to happen that it may, maybe I overlooked it. Okay. Yeah. And see, I, I, it didn't bother me at all because I think from what I know about, the character of green goblin which is very little but uh you know p- part of his persona is literal psychosis he's actually insane so yeah, i mean right. you can't you can't be it's hard to be not over the top with the character um right. it's 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 kind of an over the top character anyways so right. it didn't bother me i just i don't know it seems like kind of it almost seems like the joker's over the top as well but you know, uh, uh, Heath Ledger kind of hit it out of the park right. in Dark Knight. So uh, maybe, maybe there there is maybe there is a path to take with the character that would be a, a perfect way. But uh, I don't know if we cu- quite got it with Dane DeHaan, but this was absolutely a satisfying performance in yeah. my opinion. So yeah. agreed. Yeah, people people will say it was too rushed. 
people will say they didn't get enough screen time. And again, my argument was Mark Webb wanted to tell us a story about Peter Parker and Gwen Stacy. Right. And he did. Yeah, he, right. and he did it very well, too. Um, how about Jamie Foxx? Because I had some thoughts about him. Um, as Electro, he was great. I thought, it, yep. I thought he was just fantastic. But as Max Dillon, that's his name, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, I just thought he was just, again, just kind of really towing the line of, of being just a little over the top. And maybe mm-hmm. he actually just went over the top. Over the top. You're, he was very you're basically reading from my review. Oh, really? Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I agree 100%. He was scary as Electro, which is the – I think I've said this before on the podcast. So it's like the highest compliment I can pay to a, to right. a comic book villain is they're scary. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but as Max Dillon, he was, he was jokey and almost like Jamie Foxx is too cool and charismatic to play such a dork. That's very that, – yeah, that hits the um, nail on the head for me. The score didn't help it. The, the, the clarinet didn't help. No, not at all. Yeah. So, uh, but well, how'd you guys feel about uh, Electro's theme, though? With the, it, it was kind of dubstepy, but also had like they were repeating the lines in in this mechanical. Yeah, I don't know. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was pretty cool. I liked it. It complemented yep. uh, complemented what was happening on screen quite well. I didn't really commit it to memory that much, but I did notice it. I did. I did make note of it. Uh, it was very. Uh, it was very effective. I mean, you know, it 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 matched, or you know, it was a parallel to the character. So yeah, I thought it was. It was very uh, very astutely made. Um, the the whole the lines underneath it, I thought were kind of strange. Not not really necessary in my opinion, but it didn't take anything away from it. I don't think. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No. I cool. thought, that, like, I, one of the first things I said when me and Matt were leaving the theater, I was like, Electro was awesome. Like, yeah. that's, mm-hmm. he's one of my, again, Electro, not Max Dillon. Uh, <laughs> he's probably become one of my favorite, like, comic book movie villains mm-hmm. so far that we've gotten so far. He was just cool. Like you said, he was scary. Yeah. He, mm-hmm. he, he seemed absolutely un, undefeatable, um, mm-hmm. which, of course, I, he was, but it's, yeah. it was awesome. I'm I'm tipping my hand a little bit here again, borrowing from my review. Uh, hopefully, hopefully people have read it by now. Um, but I, but I said it was probably it was certainly the most threatening villain fight in any of the Spider-Man movies. Yeah, uh, and it's probably one of the most threatening in any comic book movie I can think of in recent memory. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I I I just like him as uh, in terms of just his power level is is really uh-huh. is really cool. I like him. I like him just as a concept of a character, and it yeah. was executed very well. Yeah, yeah. Um. So, what do you guys think? Is it where do you rank it with the rest of the Spider-Man movies? All the all five of them. Well, well I I watched it. Um, on Thursday at eight o'clock, and then I also watched it again on Friday at about one o'clock to to kind of confirm. Um, the big question I was also asked is: Is it better than Winter Soldier? It is not. Oh yeah. Um, wow. It is significantly better than the first one. Mm-hmm. It is. It is. It is almost definitely better than Spider Man Three. Uh, and it might be on par with the first Spider Man. Okay. I don't know. It's been after actually on Friday afterward because we were thinking about Spider Man three. Um, we ended up watching it to compare, um, <laughs> uh-huh. and it is 
it it is this new one is definitely better than Spider Man three. So right. I I think that. Okay. Yeah. I th- I think it's the best yet. I really do. Yeah. yeah for me, it's uh. It'll be. I'll have to revisit the first Spider-Man two because um, I, I have a soft spot for that movie. Um, that yeah. may be more for like a nostalgia movie episode if we do another one. But yeah. it was just I I love that movie. Yeah. So I've said before, uh, in terms of like filmmaking and and movie watching, I think uh, just Spider-Man two is a better movie. It's mm-hmm. it's a really fantastic movie. I think people forget about it uh, since since the Dark Knight came along. Spider-Man yeah. two was kind of the high mark for comic book movies. And I said right after I saw this that I wish you could take the cast and uh, the script the dialogue from this movie and put it in the story of Spider-Man two. Okay. Hmm. Nice. Nice. And have Martin, Martin Sockus who played the over the top German doctor in this movie, <laughs> yeah. uh, who was uh, examining electro. Yeah. Uh, he's an awesome who, actor. I think he would be an awesome doc. Ock. Well, I'll, I'll tell you, I'm a fan, and I had read everything there is to read before this movie, and I was thinking, is that supposed to be Doc Ock? Yeah. Until I said it was Kafka. But, uh, yeah, I, I'm sure they were going for that. I'm yeah. sure. Who yeah. is Kafka in the in the comics? Is, does he have a comic equivalent? Yeah, not very significant. Actually, uh, as a woman in the comics. Huh. Um, Maybe they're setting up to be Doc Ock. Um, Maybe. Oh, you, I don't know. I yeah. doubt it. So um, after the movie, I got this strange feeling like I needed to go out and buy a Sony cell phone. Did you guys get that? <laughs> did you guys get that feeling? Yeah, I kind of did. Um, it was weird. A Sony laptop, a Sony TV. I don't know. It was weird. Yeah. I can't explain why. Uh, you know, I have just a, I, I have an axe to grind about, about product placement and really anything, but it was, pretty, it was pretty egregious in this one. Yeah. Speaking of the Sony... Uh, what gives about the X-Men yes. teaser at the end? I'm so glad you said that. Um, I, you know, I, I heard that there was going to be something X-Men related at the end of, at the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't know if it was going to be a trailer or if it was going to be, a, some way that they're connecting the universes and they're doing their own Marvel studios thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we can say without with confidence that there won't be a crossover. Exactly. And that is kind of my problem with it because it was very – I was watching and I was like, okay, well, if they're just trying to, to get people hyped for X-Men Days of Future Past, put a trailer at the end of it. Don't put – like because that's just confusing to have just a yes. scene. Yeah. Um, and not even – and that's the, even more – uh, it's not even an exclusive scene. Like how Joss Whedon directed the, the post credit scene at the end of Winter Soldier. There, right. there was no real linkage there. Yeah. yeah Frustrating. It didn't, it, didn't, it didn't seem to serve any purpose, no. and it wasn't significant at all. I no. think it would have been cool if they'd have put like a deleted scene from X-Men like that we don't get in the movie yeah. that's coming out or if it was again if it was linked somehow yeah. or if it was like an exclusive trailer like with new stuff that nobody had ever right. seen before that would have been fine but it was yeah it was just a yeah. clip from the movie it yeah. just didn't didn't yeah. serve any purpose and it was not significant at all Well I'll tell you what yeah. what purpose it serves it's basically to say let's hold hands uh, in the face yeah. of Disney, 
<laughs> that's a good point. That's a good way of looking at it. Wow. Right yes. Yeah. It, um, over the weekend, Spider-Man made $92 million, I saw that. And, uh, which is n- nothing to laugh at, but it it wasn't Winter Soldier numbers. Um, right. So, I, you know, I don't know. Take that for what you will. But, yeah. but it's made 270 worldwide. It has, yeah. 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 I think oh, it'll be all right. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I, I it'll, it'll be, be just fine. Uh, I'm interested to see what movie is supposed to come next. Is is Sinister Six next or is Spider Man Three next? That's a good question. I don't know. I was going to ask you for your thoughts on that. Yeah, I I couldn't tell you. I have no yeah. idea. Yeah, I don't know. Um, mm-hmm. It kind of seems like, judging from the movie, it kind of seems like Sinister Six will be next. Which I have a problem with. Not a problem, but I just have a disconnect with that in itself because, okay, how is how are we going to make Sinister Six and make it not just Spider-Man Three? I mean, because it's I mean, if it's from the perspective of the villains, sure, but I mean, it's still Spider-Man is still the hero in it. I don't understand how they can make a villain-based movie mm-hmm. off of one superhero franchise. I don't know. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. So, but oh, by the way, uh, we also mentioned this in the video with my friend Dustin from Hoi Polloi. Mm-hmm. Um, we found out that the man in the shadows from the first movie is not Norman Osborn. That's right. I com- see. I I meant to watch the first movie before, but I ran out of time, so I completely forgot that that was a thing until just the second. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I don't know. A lot of stuff to say. Still a lot to think about. Um, it was worth seeing. I liked it. It was definitely cool. Definitely. I was pleased. If if Winter Soldier hadn't come out before it, I would say it would be a good way to kick off the summer movie season. But yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um. So all right, that I guess that about does it. And uh, anything else you guys want to talk about about Amazing Spider-Man? I don't think so. Cool. No. Cool. All right, cool. Well, that about does it for us. Thanks for listening. Uh, we've already done all the plugs and all that, but I did forget to mention that uh, we will be at Indie PopCon May 30th through June 1st. So if you're in the Indianapolis area, check it out. It's the first year here. It's going to be huge. They're expecting big, big numbers. they got a lot of cool people uh, there besides us. Um, <laughs> no, but they've got like John DiMaggio and a bunch of comic artists and stuff and uh, uh, Kevin Eastman. Is going to be there. It's going to be really cool. And we're going to have a booth set up. We're going to be recording. We're going to have giveaways. We're going to have a bunch of stuff uh, for you guys. So if you're in the Indianapolis area and you want to be on the podcast or you want to chat with us, come and check us out at Indie Popcorn at the Convention Center, May 30th through June 1st. And that about does it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, thanks for listening, guys. See thanks. Ya.